Hello everyone, welcome to today's program. Today I'm gonna, one of, the, one of those days I'm going to try my best to stay calm and collected. So I'm gonna be smiley because some of the stories that we're gonna be discussing today have been frustrating me for the past uh, few hours and well for the past couple of days. So first let's go over what we're gonna be talking about in this, uh, in this show. So firstly, Afghanistan. What's actually happening uh, on the ground because for a lot of people who might say, well it's a different country, it's a different continent, we shouldn't care. Uh, partly because uh, people are scared to even care about it because of what we did before in Afghanistan, the Western powers. Secondly, because people think if it's in a different place, it has nothing to do with us. Uh, not in a sense that we should do something about it ourselves, but even talking about it. I can assure you the Middle East and those parts of uh, uh, well, Asia in general um, have a massive impact on our everyday lives, and I'm going to explain why. The second topic is the Putin spy, uh, what happened in the British Embassy uh, in Berlin, and uh, yeah, it's a whole saga with that. I'm going to discuss one main concern that I have on that with that story, and then the public sector fail, which is a go-to topic in this on this channel, uh, and the climate militants, extension rebellion. We're going to be discussing what they're planning to do and how Cressida Dick and the Metropolitan Police are responding or not responding to them. Before we start, a quick update. As you probably know, uh, Jason Miller is uh, uh, this week's special guest. Jason Miller, who is the um, former senior political advisor to President Trump and current CEO of the new social media platform, Getter. Uh, it's one of those things that you have to say in the American accent, Getter. Um, so Sunday, we have Jason Miller on the show. Uh, so make sure to tune in Sunday at 6 p.m. Uh, to see that and um, quick update as also if you saw a couple of days ago i also announced a whole new team of uh, presenters and uh, commentators that we have on this channel we're growing the channel thanks to your support so thanks for being patient with all the technical difficulties and all the changes we've made over the last uh, few months uh, this channel is now not only growing but we're actually creating a proper independent platform to compete against the mainstream media outlets so it's not just me one face talking to you every single day uh, there will be other shows as well so now this is it Afghanistan. So, as you have heard on the BBC and uh, BBC Sky or other places, all newspapers have been talking about the latest updates from Afghanistan. Is that, of course, the Western powers uh, withdrew and are withdrawing, and uh, the U.S. Uh, troops, final chunk of them, leaving Afghanistan. And surprise, surprise, uh, the Taliban came back and essentially defeated the purpose of uh, what we did uh, as the West since 2001 because 2001 happened because they said we're going to go in there defeat the Taliban and try to obviously introduce democracy to uh, Afghanistan uh, the imposing democracy and liberation that doesn't really work anyway we know uh, but even destroying Taliban didn't happen um, so all we all it did is just paused uh, the the expansion uh, so they spent the last few years um, obviously regrouping and retraining themselves and now they're back uh, now what do we do that's the biggest issue that we have uh, the one main concern is how the taliban are actually doing this so firstly we know that after 2001 uh, when uh, the americans with their allies went in there to get rid of the taliban the same group who the americans trained against the soviets mujahideen turned into the new group and of course, you know, then you had the Al-Qaeda side of it, which was, was a separate group. But all, essentially, they all became militants uh, under different names. Um, that didn't really work because after 2001, the Iranian regime infiltrated Afghanistan and essentially owned and controlled parts of it. Most of it. Culturally and education-wise, the Iranians controlled it. Uh, and now, uh, Taliban is coming back. As you can see from the map, the red areas are 
uh, controlled by Taliban right now. It's actually changing as we speak. Uh, the blue areas are the government bits, and then obviously the, the orange bits are the target seats, uh, where they're trying to essentially fight against the government, a government that has no power, because they relied on the Western powers to uh, defend them, and then the rest of it, they relied on the Iranian government, and the Iranian regime sorted out, and that didn't really, really work right now. So what happened now is that the biggest uh, concern is that Iranians are still there, the Chinese Communist Party have entered, obviously, uh, the, the Chinese Communist Party are having talks with the Taliban to become friends and so that they could do some sort of power sharing in that territory. The Iranians are not happy about that. Uh, Iranians are also allies with uh, China, but they, they don't really agree. So China have to do the peace talks with peace talks with Taliban. And then they also have to do talks with Iran to see exactly what they're going to be controlling. Afghanistan does not belong to Afghans anymore. And but it's, it's been there for a long, it's been like that for a long time. But this is now you can't blame one group of people. You could partly blame the Americans, the West. You could partly blame the, um, of course, Taliban. You could partly blame Iran. You could also now partly blame China. But you could also easily blame the people in Afghanistan, especially the people in charge. They should be in charge, but they're not. Now, the Americans are now saying that um, Afghanistan could fall to Taliban within weeks. Well, that's, yeah, sure. I mean, weeks, replace the word weeks with hours. It's already fallen. Uh, every few minutes we get new updates about the territory changes. It's essentially gone. And in a sense that, not that before this, Afghanistan was this prosperous, stable nation. It's been like that for ages. But in terms of who's controlling it, it matters. It's right next to Iran. It's right, of course, next to Pakistan. That area, as well as the uh, Iranian territory, these are very important when it comes to the conflict between East and West. This is the new Cold War. And I'm not saying we should go back and invade and stay there. But this is a mess that we created in modern times. We have to do something about it. The problem here is that the White House has been controlled by the Democrats. Now, President Biden and his team and all the Democrats who are uh, interventionists, who want to go out there in the world and police the world because that's America's job. We have to get there. We have to destroy everything. And we have to tell people how to behave and how to be civilized and how to uh, teach them democracy. Are also the same people who keep picking the sides of our enemies. The US Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, is one of those people who has now said that uh, the CCP's interest in Afghanistan could be a positive thing. China entering Afghanistan could be a positive thing after China gave a warm and very public welcome to the uh, senior Taliban delegation. So, Anthony Blink uh, Blinken, who's supposed to be the second main guy in the US government, the American government, land of the free, is happy that China and the Taliban are talking because he thinks, well, or as he wants us to think that he thinks that these talks could end in well, peace, that China will tell Taliban to be good because China are, you know, hold the, the morality. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's funny because they, they're treating China as some sort of, a, you're, you're now our uh, part of the delegation of the you know, civilized world. You go to tell the Taliban to be better. So Anthony Blinken is trusting China to calm things down with Taliban. Not the reality, which is they're going to be talking, they're going to do the power sharing, and then China are going to take advantage of Afghanistan, the natural resources. It's classic China. 
Yet, Anthony Blinken, as I said, is the exact same sort of a, a Democrat who would be in favor of foreign interventions, getting to countries, changing their culture, installing dictators, making a mess, creating opposition, which they supported initially to do the coup d'etat or revolution, and then they create an enemy out of them, they, they, they attack them, then they come out, and then they support their new enemies. It makes no sense. So this is the problem that has been created in the region right now. It's not just America's fault. And, you know, those who are completely anti-intervention and say it's just America's fault. It's, it, it all, the whole thing starts in 2001. No, no, no. It, it, the modern um, problem that we have is caused by 2001. But it was happening way before that anyway. Uh, Afghanistan is just one of those lands that um, it was not stable. Um, sort of like Pakistan. But Pakistan is you know, it's just one of those things that not, no idea how it actually became a stable country. Well, under corruption. But um, Afghanistan didn't even have a chance to do that. That's that. Now, when you go to how the foreign policy of United Kingdom and the West is actually working, no one really knows exactly certain stories that come out. There are a lot of things that happen when it comes to governments and international affairs that are secretive. It's not like your domestic policies like HS2 or Brexit where you could discuss publicly. A lot of things are happening behind the scenes and we don't really know fully what's going on uh, until, you know, for example, when WikiLeaks, uh, of course, tells us some, some of the secret documents. We find out some stuff that get leaked. But... We found out that a, a security guard at the British Embassy in Berlin uh, was leaking information, allegedly, uh, to Russia. Also, I love how when we criticize the West, uh, there are also a lot of people who are so anti-Western intervention that uh, they essentially defend Russia. They say, because America was bad, because you know Britain was bad in terms of intervening in countries, uh, that Putin and Russia, they don't, they don't hate us. They don't see us as their enemies. Just leave them and they'll leave us alone. No. Everyone and all governments, all t uh, tribes are good and bad. And they do bad things. There's no such thing as a harmless state. That's, there's no such thing as that. So, of course, Russia will have spies in the West. Those of you who you know, are so naive to think that, oh, Putin and Russia just you know, want to just live their lives. They wouldn't do anything to the West. Really? From their perspective, it's self-defense. From the Russian perspective. But this issue... That there was a potential um, spy as a security guard working for the embassy. Why does this happen? Because we have good security measures with hiring and making sure we vet people. It happens. MI5, MI6, CIA, all, all those guys, generally speaking, they do their background checks. There are some loopholes, like a security guard working for the embassy if it was hired by an external company. Now, Semperian is a private firm uh, in charge of that, running and owning and essentially running the operations of the building, the embassy, the British embassy, and other buildings as well. So these guys were, the, were in charge of hiring that security guard. So they did the vetting on behalf of the British government, the, the general vetting. So I'm not saying that Semperian actually are the bad guys, or like they also are in it as spies, but let's just say on the paper, on paper, they are at least complacent. They didn't do their job. And this is the problem with private contractors working for the state and the public sector when there is no scrutiny. I am all in favor of using private, the private sector to work with the public sector. Absolutely. Otherwise, the public sector can't really progress. We know that. But if there's no scrutiny and there's absolutely no accountability, it happens with the same with the MOD and defense when, the, of course, they need certain equipments. Those contracts are not really scrutinized. Well, not publicly at all, 
but even privately, um, the people who are the bureaucrats who are in charge of these negotiations and signing the contracts and their lawyers, they don't do the jobs properly. That's why you end up with uh, these sort of groups. That's why you end up with Serco in, in Britain. Uh, so, of course, this investment firm, who's uh, uh, they have the subsidiary companies also have operations. Someone needs to find out exactly what they did. Did they do it on purpose or did they make a mistake? And we should review this concept because the next topic is the public sector failure. Because sometimes it's because of public sector, sometimes because of public and private get, you know, go hand in hand and make a mess. Now, lockdown, and over the last year and a half, almost two years, all this chaos has caused a lot of issues. Almost 1.2 million people waiting at least six months for vital NHS services in England. Do you know why? Because they said that we need to prioritize um, the other patients because everything's just about one disease and one virus that we have to make sure that we are protecting the capacity. So the capacity is always protected from day one, even March 2020, before the national lockdown was actually like you know, took off. The NHS capacity was fine. The Nightingale hospitals were not even used. 1.2 million people are waiting for what? Because these people are scared and then they created bureaucracy and they've done the paperwork months ago. And if they, even if they want to sort this out, now they can't because they've already basically essentially written the letters and put the in the processing forms. They've already told the 1.2 million and they say, oh God, if we want to tell one of them, then we have to completely change the paperwork, change the system, bureaucracy, go through the whole waiting lesson. Then do it. Or change your system. Change the model of the NHS. You cannot have the government running your healthcare. The government could fund it. Fine. The government could um, fund the, uh, the patients using it. You could do that. But the government should not firstly hire or fire the healthcare professionals, should not pay their salaries, should not run the hospitals and the NHS trusts. Those of you who say it's not the Department of Health or government doing it, it's all government. It's called the state. Whether it's the actual Department of Health, whether it's the bureaucrats, whether it's the quangos, it's all part of the state. And bureaucrats, civil servants, all these guys, they should not be running this. And this is the failure, the latest failure that we have in the public sector. Now, certain areas of the public sector can be reformed, can be privatized. Some can't. Next one is this. Chris the dick, the head of the Metropolitan Police. Now, the police cannot be privatized um, unless you want to start a philosophical debate about how we can privatize the police. But generally speaking, it's one of those vital services that uh, it's the job of the state to uh, protect us. Although they're not really doing a good job in London but, or Glasgow. But the police, who are supposed to be there to do their jobs, they're also failing. Partly because of the lack of leadership from Crested Dick. Partly because of the way the police have completely uh, become complacent um, over the years. Uh, with bureaucracy, with wokeness and uh, health and safety and being cautious that they're going to offend someone accidentally or they get sued if they handcuff someone the wrong way the police are no longer the police that we wanted so but what they can do is show double standards these guys are now battling with the extension rebellion now extension rebellion and the climate militants have come out to say they're going to start a new wave of they call it endless protests I don't, know, I don't know what that means because there's it's never endless. I mean, it's endless in terms of the cause never ends, but they always go home when it rains. So, but they're going to start this. Cresto Dick was talking to Nick Ferrari on LBC 
and she was trying to defend herself. She said that the police always talk to Extinction Rebellion organizers, like all the other organizers of protests beforehand. And and she said that we always were always let down by Extinction Rebellion because they they're always uh, lying to us. What they tell us over the phone or email is not what they actually do on the day. Yet, she said, this time, Extinction are not talking to us, they're not replying to us, and we want them to come and talk to us using the same method. You do realize what you're saying. You're saying that they should just come back, do the same method of dialogue, the conversation, that didn't work in the past, because that's what the police wanted to do. Bureaucracy. It's simply a tick boxing exercise. What level of conversations do you and your colleagues have with Extinction Rebellion prior to demonstrations? Uh, we always seek with all protesters and demonstrators to, to uh, form as a strong and clear a line of communication as possible. Uh, Extinction Rebellion do speak to us. I have to say that on many occasions they have been, um, I would say, disingenuous. Uh, they certainly don't seem in control of their, their colleagues uh, and often what they say turns out not to be true. On this occasion, uh, as far as I am aware, they have not spoken to us directly at all, despite many, many attempts by us. Okay, change the dialogue, change the method. What, is, this is not supposed to be some sort of just, oh, it's, it's, it's not part of our form. We just have to do the same process. I, I, I was once um, mugged in London, southeast London, a few years ago. Um, it was a very, very soft mugging because there was a, a group of like five group, like people. I think it was six of them. Five or six uh, teenagers with their hoodies and classic. And they, they just stopped me. Not really aggressively because they already were around me. And they intimidated by just forcing me to give them my phone and all that and my wallet. There were a couple of police officers just walking towards us anyway. But because the incident was so quiet and it was very, very, uh, it was not aggressive. Uh, they couldn't see what was exactly happening, but they knew it was kind of uncomfortable. And I, the moment I saw the police officers, I you know, waved and said, come, I'm in, I'm in trouble. As they walked towards us, uh, most of them started running away different directions. A couple of them stayed there and the police were still just walking slowly. Eventually they came to us and said with their form, so uh, what's happening here? Do you guys know each other? And I literally was saying, I'm in trouble. They mugged me. They took my phone, that guy that running that way, the other one running that way with my wallet. And then um, she said, there were two of them. The police officer said, okay, cool. So what's your name? Uh, there was a whole form. I was standing there with a couple of others. Uh, then eventually, as the police started talking, they ran away. Is that the time to get out your form? Just run, chase them. There's still allegedly a suspect. Catch them and then take out your form and go through your checklist. That's the problem that we have with the police, the modern police in Britain. They, they being extra cautious, scared of health and safety measures, scared of being sued. Stop it. You don't have to become, you know, completely authoritarian in terms of as a police force. You don't have to go completely French, but stop being soft and stop the double standards. Why is it that we, you know, the well, anti-lockdown protesters, for example, um, get treated differently to Extinction Rebellion? We'll see how they're going to uh, treat the Extinction Rebellion people. But the climate alarmists don't really understand. I think they do. Maybe they're just delusional. Then no one really cares about them. Now, as a topic, Ipsos Mori did this massive research on uh, working class people who, and a lot of the majority of country uh, with common sense, the priorities for them every day. Of course, you've got the, the pandemic, the current situation in terms of the effects of it and lockdown. Then you've got the 30% economy. Then 
20%, 24%, you got the EU Brexit related stuff, especially with their businesses and everything else. Then you got healthcare, NHS, 19%. And then finally, you've got um, climate change as a priority, as a concern. Of course, the rest of it is, is supposed to be low in terms of your everyday thinking. Not many people sit down and worry about schools. You know, they might think of it every now and then as a concern, but it's not a, you don't wake up and worry about crisis at education or uh, unemployment. So the, the ones at the bottom, uh, it makes sense. Oh, I'm kind of worried that uh, housing is only 9%, because that's a big problem. <laughs> but the rest of it makes sense. Uh, climate change, yeah, it's not a priority. It's a very middle class thing, because when you have everything sorted in your life, you don't really have any other problem, you're spoiled to try to find problems in the world. And that's why you try to make problems that are not an issue just yet. You try to create a crisis that says, we're going to die in 18 months' time. We're going to die in eight years. We're going to die in six hours. Firstly, just make up your mind. When? And secondly, when it doesn't happen, or it's not going to happen like that, maybe admit that you were wrong. But that's what they do. So always the middle class spoiled kids who create this, either create a fake cause or use a cause, make it magnified and make it even bigger and worse than it is, and then go on the streets with the, you know, hippie hairstyles and Starbucks coffee, uh, cup of coffee and everything like that, using their iPhones to organize the protests and shout against capitalism. That's what they do because they're spoiled. Everything else in their life is fine in e economically with jobs and family and security. So this, you know, they try to rebel against their father. So that's the problem that we have. And again, it's kind of obvious, you know, they, they, before showing you this, you kind of already knew the sense in terms of the vibe of the country yet you have politicians who are so out of touch that they think that people are waking up every morning worrying about the next 18 months until we die amber rudd a former conservative uh, minister secretary of state actually and home secretary come out to write uh, this piece uh, talking about net zero and saying that if you don't believe in it you're not conservative and she used the name of Margaret Thatcher <laughs> in her favor. Firstly, Amber Rudd, one of the wet Tories, left-wing Tory, uh, you know, progressive, woke. These people only use Margaret Thatcher's name when it suits them. When it doesn't, they hate Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher talked about the environment back in the 80s and before. But Margaret Thatcher was talking about how she's in favor of clean water and clean air and a clean environment. And she was right. I'm in favor of that. And how to do it? Free market, innovation, science. Just let it happen. Let people come up with solutions. Elon Musk rather than NASA. So, but these people, they're trying to use an example of like, oh, but Margaret Thatcher would have been pro net zero or sorting out net zero. No, 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 she, no, she wouldn't be. That's collectivism. What you guys are trying to do is introduce collectivism. Margaret Thatcher was never in favor of reorganizing society through collectivism, regardless of a cause, because she knew it's just not practical. Don't care what your intentions are, even if they're really, really good. The outcome of your actions matter more than your intentions. But it's not good enough for you to say, well, you, you, you have to care. You have to care about something. Well, and, and if you criticize it, the method, that means you don't care. That means you want all the trees and penguins to die. It's the same with the, um, not wanting to have lockdown. If you criticize lockdown, they say, ah, you want your grandmother to die. No, we're just criticizing the method. That's all it is. And that's the issue that we have. Again, there are conservative MPs. This WhatsApp message leak that um, 
was exposed a couple of days ago, proves that, uh, the, especially the new MPs who were voted uh, by the left behind, the people who used to vote Labour. Lee Anderson started this conversation with the Tory MP saying this will not go down well in Red Bull seats. Michael Farbican, classic Michael Farbican message, no wonder Jeremy Clarkson votes for us. <laughs> and then you had uh, others who said uh, it's a hard, well, it's a hard sell asking people to make sacrifices when the rest of the world, China and Russia and others, are carrying on as usual. Germany also having twice as many emissions as us, I believe. Uh, yeah, that, that too. And then the, the, the main issue is that uh, they're saying uh, Jackie Doyle Price said the reason we have won uh, Red Bull seats is because Labour has been losing the working class voters over decades as the party has become increasingly metropolitan. We won't keep those voters if they see us behaving in the same way. That's the political side of it. So if the Tories want to win, do not anger your new voters. And on that's the political side. But on a logical side, just don't. Just net zero target stuff. 2030 with the World Economic Forum. Meaningless. Absolutely meaningless. And we could have this discussion in the year 2031. And I will come back and say I told you so. Because it's completely nonsensical. Uh, so that's that one. And uh, before we finish, I'm going to go to uh, the members, the full members of the channel to answer some of their questions. Uh, if you don't know, uh, the full members of the channel have the chance to go on their membership area page. And then they're, they're, there's a box at the top of the page where you can submit your daily questions and I'll answer at the end of each show. Uh, you also have the ability to scroll down to see our Zoom calls every Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. Uh, join us, you can talk to me directly, video call. Uh, that's just another part of the features and benefits for the full members of the channel. Uh, and, uh, and also you also get access to the newsletter, the weekly newsletter that we have, that we send out every Monday. Uh, but it's all thanks to all of you, the standard members and the full members, all of you guys who are still here on this new platform, still supporting me. Uh, through all the difficulties, sometimes, of course, the beginning with the technical issues and uh, all this stuff, you could have left, but you didn't. So thank you so much. And all I'm asking you is just stay even more patient because a lot of good things are going to come now, uh, including uh, tomorrow, Friday, we're going to have our first uh, show with uh, uh, Peter Barnes, the new political editor of the channel, who's going to be discussing uh, the Westminster bubble. And this Sunday, we're going to have uh, uh, Saturday, we're going to have debunked the new show with Daniel McElhaney. It's, it's more of a philosophical show about history and uh, the, the battle of ideas. So it's, it's less about policy, it's more about philosophy and the meaning of life. Okay, let's go to Pauline. Uh, Pauline says, what are your thoughts in, in regards to uh, Reform UK, the party, having their bank account being closed down from Metro Bank? Democracy is in great danger. Yes, absolutely. So this issue with the Reform UK having their bank account you know, suspended or shot or whatever, it's part of the wave against uh, any opposition thought in, in, in politics and in our culture, where just like Facebook and Twitter banning President Trump or banning or YouTube trying to uh, stop my channel or obviously essentially cause trouble and others as well, then you also now have other, other parts because capitalism or the so-called capitalist firms are no longer pro-freedom. They are becoming woke. And I think woke is just the wrong word. Maybe, maybe we should go back to call them progressives. But also that's a wrong word because the progressives these days are regressive. So I don't even know what they are. Again, we can't even call them liberals because the liberals are not liberals. So let's just call them intolerant, authoritarian statists who just don't want any opposition. It's, it is dangerous. Pauline is absolutely right. And sometimes these things, we could have the backlash and they will change their mind, make a U-turn. But if we don't call them out now, it's going to get much worse. Uh, Jake says, you've recently mentioned live events. Will they just be drink receptions? 
yes, good question. So um, as you guys know, we were obviously doing the, the Nigel Farage event. That was a drink reception, freedom party. Um, I for the because I was discovered in terms of going past this phase of pandemic and everything else, make sure that we pass this and we can actually have normal events. Um, you guys, uh, because you obviously again because of the support that you've been giving me financially and your time and everything else, um, I value that. So I'm actually going to change the format and we're going to be doing two types of events, social gatherings and meetups. And I'm going to do the meetups and it's going to be free of charge. You guys didn't, you know, you've already, as I said, you're already investing everything that, uh, you know, you could give me in terms of your time and financially. You're going to do the meetups. It could just go somewhere like in a find a pub, depending on where, where I am. It could get to Manchester, Birmingham, Glasgow, London, all the different kind of, the main spots in each region. Uh, and then we're also going to be doing um, live events in terms of uh, more of a formal format where uh, essentially what I'll be doing is uh, uh, these shows, but live. So I'll actually be uh, presenting the show uh, with you guys in the audience. And we'll, of course, broadcast it live. And then uh, then afterwards, you'll be a Q&A. You could just actually just live. So I'll give you the lecture live and then you could just essentially um, ask questions and afterwards we'll just hang out. Uh, so there are two type of events that are going to come very soon, uh, which it will all only be open to you guys um, initially as obviously priority access. Um, so just stay tuned. But the, the meetups are going to be sooner because it's easier to organize casual small meetups. Uh, I believe uh, Alex Belfield has been doing that recently as well. So uh, it's a good idea. Martin says... Uh, good to see Carl Benjamin on your channel recently, and uh, also you bringing on more people. How can we unite all non-woke commentators? Yes, Martin, thank you so much for the support. Uh, and yes, but that's what we're doing. So firstly, Carl Benjamin and Lotus Eaters, uh, the website, um, the collaboration that we had, and we're going to have more, uh, definitely helps uh, to make sure that uh, we are obviously increasing the exposure in case someone didn't know about Lotus Eaters or in case someone didn't know about me on Lotus Eaters website, it helps. Uh, but I'm as I as you saw in the couple, a couple of days ago, I mentioned the, the new team, uh, the new additions uh, to uh, what we have. Uh, obviously, we've got Peter Barnes, the political editor. We've got Daniel Michael Haney, who's going to be more the, the philosopher of the channel. Uh, we have Ma Ma um, uh, Michael Heaver, uh, the YouTuber and former Brexit Party MEP, was also joined as a co-host. Uh, and... Uh, one of the main things about how we've done all this is that essentially, and we're going to have more names, uh, hopefully tomorrow I can announce the next name. Uh, tomorrow's contributor and regular uh, co-host, uh, the name should be quite familiar for you guys, and we're going to have more. One of the main reasons we're doing this is that um, this channel, of course, is called My Tuesday Channel, and uh, but we have to create a hub, and that's always... That was always my intention. Start with me first and then uh, bring, if not everyone, at least a few of them here together. And so that uh, if you are subscribing to a channel or a platform like this, so you, you could ac actually have access to multiple people and their thoughts and their ideas and their opinions. Uh, so that's exactly what we're doing. Uh, so thanks for being patient. But yeah, tomorrow, hopefully I can announce the name tomorrow. I was going to do this today, but I'm just waiting for the fin finalization of the negotiations. Uh, but yeah, I think you're going to like... Uh, um, the name of the new next person tomorrow she's very good i've already revealed the gender yeah she's she's very good so uh stay tuned for tomorrow thanks again for watching i'm my tc and i'll see you guys in the next video